I took Twitter off my phone uh, six months ago, and it felt like having a tumor removed. <laughs> like, sure, it hurt for a while, but the pain was worth the increased life expectancy it offered me. For the last several years, it has felt like being a progressively-minded person on social media is sort of like playing a very poorly designed video game in which you never actually engage the other team. You just earn ranking points by showing how the people on your own team are wrong. If you can call out the ideological impurity of another person's tweet, you get to level up in the game and you get to call it activism. I, of course, want to blame Twitter, but that's like blaming the Ford Motor Company for my road rage. There is a reason why gamification, the way that every app on our phone offers us an opportunity to earn points and badges and level up and see where we rank in comparison to others is the key to getting people hooked. Gamification is used in weight loss programs and foreign language learning apps and even military training. And the reason is because we humans love to feel like we're winning. It is an old instinct within the human, meaning we may differ far less from our caveman ancestors than we think we do. Like, maybe I can't imagine hitting another human being over the head with a club and stealing their woolly mammoth meat, but I will for sure put another human being in danger just to get in front of them on I-25. So when these companies and their products hack into our lizard brain, they can make us feel like we're competing for resources and winning. We will keep coming back so that we can feel like we dominated our environment when really we're just getting a digital dopamine hit so we feel good about ourselves for half a second. We have not perhaps evolved as much as we think we have. And I mention this because of our gospel text for today. For just a little bit of background, Pilate was governor in like a B-list province and just trying to cover his backside when Jesus was dragged in front of him. And he says, are you king of the Jews? He asks, basically saying, are you or are you not trying to overthrow Caesar? To Pilate, Jesus was clearly just some itinerant Jewish teacher, a bedraggled nobody with like questionable followers. So the question must have felt awkward when he was saying it. But Pilate just didn't know to ask the right question. He didn't know to ask, 
Are you the human incarnation of the God who created the universe? Pilate didn't know to ask, have you or have you not come to proclaim release to the captives and freedom to the oppressed? And Pilate for sure didn't know to say to Jesus, okay, be honest. If we kill you, are you just going to go and rise from the dead three days from now and change the course of history? (laughs) So instead, he asks if Jesus fancies himself a political leader who might threaten Rome with violent revolt, which is basically like asking typhoid Mary if she's trying to steal your boyfriend. Typhoid Mary is totally a threat, but not to your romantic relationship. Jesus is totally a threat, but not in an overthrowing the government kind of way. The threat is not to Pilate's power, as though Jesus wants to take that power for his own. The threat of Jesus as king is not despotic and tyrannical, like he's just this year's Caesar. Jesus is a threat as a king because Jesus is a threat to violence itself and the exertion of dominance over others. Jesus is a threat to all of our ranking systems. We're all trapped into thinking actually matter. The thing that stood out for me in this little conversation between Jesus and Pilate is that Jesus says, were his kingdom of this world, his followers would be using violence. Because I wonder if Violence, or put another way, any kind of destructive force, not just the physical kind, is inherent in the human competition extravaganza we're all caught up in. Violence of every variety is its energy source. And Jesus is like, man, do your worst. Your violence does nothing but show how weak you really are. Which means when he said that the first shall be last and the last shall be first, he didn't mean a single iteration and then stop. I seriously doubt that Jesus was saying, if you have been hurt by the strong in my kingdom, you will be the ones who get to do the hurting. He was saying that rivalries and striving to win and trying to dominate and getting over on people, doing what it takes to be the one on the top, will never, ever bring us life in the way that we think it will. In his kingdom, there's just simply nothing to win at. Pilate didn't know the right questions to ask because, like us, he couldn't wrap his mind around the fact that Jesus wasn't just changing the seating chart in the human violence coliseum. He wasn't trying to win the battle. He was burning his draft card. Which is 
bonkers because Jesus was the one person in history who could have legitimately won the game, by the way. He could have called 10,000 angels as the gospel uh, hymn goes. He could have pulled off some pyrotechnics when it came to defeating his enemies. And we could then like cheer and pump our fists in the air and be like, yeah, that's our guy. I mean, that's the way the kingdoms of this world work. Regime change, hostile takeovers, aggressive divorce attorneys, making a name for yourself in academia by tearing down the work of another scholar, gossiping about others to feel superior. There are countless ways to exert dominance in this war of human striving. Like when someone's hurt me, the kingdom of this world would have me seek retribution. But retribution has never managed to eliminate the shame of having been hurt or the shame of having been betrayed in the way I think it will. And this week I kept thinking about the ways we deploy violence even toward ourselves. The punishing, self-critical impulse I feel when I fail or I fall short. The berating, accusing voice that tells me if I'm cruel to myself, it will motivate me to be some imaginary, perfected, impossible version of myself. So compassion towards myself is just like counterproductive. So the beatings will continue until I finally level up. And here's why his kingdom is not of this world. Because Jesus could have won the battle and the war and all the cash and prizes. And yet, as Philippians 2 states, though he was in the form of God, he did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness and being found in human form, he humbled himself and become obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So happy Christ the King Sunday, when softly and tenderly Jesus is calling us home to his kingdom, calling us to the truth of what actually matters, calling us back into the very heart of God. I don't know what sort of rivalry you might be in right now, or how you may feel like you've slipped in some kind of rankings, or aged less gracefully than your brother, or missing your chance at life and love, or maybe you have won the game according to all the standards of American society, and yet you're left confused as to why it still feels so empty. Either way, just know that even in a time of fake news and alternative facts and competing worldviews, that there still is a big T truth to be had. He came to tell the truth 
and all who belong to the truth listen to his voice, Jesus said to Pilate. Which means that the truth is not something you can manufacture or manipulate or earn the right to own. Truth doesn't belong to you. It's something you belong to. And your belongingness to this truth is simply not determined by winning or losing anything. It's not determined by religiosity, ideological purity, or your rankings in society. Your belongingness to this truth is determined by the God in whose image you are made and in whose kingdom you are offered life and life abundant. Which means the Lord's Prayer, which we are about to say, and which has been spoken every single day by at least one human since the first day Jesus taught it to his first faltering group of friends. It might just be the most subversive of all declarations. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Because we who live and pray this way have a very different agenda than Caesar's. We have pledged our allegiance and submitted to the reign of the unresentful loser, the Prince of Peace, whose throne is but two pieces of wood and a few rusty nails, whose crown is jeweled with thorn, and whose judgment from that throne is forgiveness. A servant king, a crucified enemy-loving king, in whose kingdom there is nothing to earn. There are no Google reviews to wring your hands over. All notions of supremacy are crushed under his wounded feet. There is no public image or private property to defend or protect. Because with his still wounded hands, Christ our King is gently taking the gun out of ours and saying, it's okay, you won't be needing this. Amen.